Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What have I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you could be prepared for your tomorrow. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. What's going on, family? My name is Gerard Bonner, of course, and this is On Course with Heart Ramsey, where you know what happens here. We have amazing conversations, and in the middle of it, you hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God, and of course, that's Pastor Heart Ramsey. Pastor Heart, how are you? Good, Gerard. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I hope everyone else is good. We have had uh, quite the conversation. You know, the last time we were together, we we got into this unique conversation just about, we touched on cancel culture. We touched on a bunch of crazy things. And so we have not, I don't think, formally talked about this, but I think it's going to be interesting to talk about. And talking about cancel culture this year and the last couple of years, one of the people who's been the face of that has been R. Kelly. R. Kelly, of course, uh, noted singer, songwriter, award-winning uh, music guy who has had a lot of controversy around him. And uh, recently in one of his cases, he was convicted of all counts of racketeering, sex trafficking, all sorts of things. And one of the big questions that comes up surrounding R. Kelly uh, is should radio stations, should people continue to listen to his music? Immediately after the trial, three of his albums found their way into the top 20 of uh, R&B uh, on the iTunes chart, with two of them being in the top 10. It, it's kind of a weird phenomenon that happens. So let's start this off with no backing away from controversy. Uh, <laughs> should Should people continue to listen to R. Kelly's music in light of all that has happened. After all, I've heard some people say it's not the music that committed the crimes. It was R. Kelly. What are your thoughts? So, so this is really complicated, and here's why. Um, I believe that uh, the, the people who are listening to R. Kelly's music are grieving. It's a, I think it's a form of grief. They're grieving who they thought he was who his music purported him to be. They're grieving um, the, the the memory of their, their younger years, their childhood, their teenage years, their whatever, that he was the soundtrack to. And so um, they're going back and, and kind of listening to this music and asking how could the, the person doing this be that guy? One of, the, one of my favorite um, R. Kelly deals uh, was around the time he did I Believe I Can Fly. Mm-hmm also did Celine Dion's Christmas record. I don't yeah. know. Wow. He did a song on there called I'm Your Angel. He did a, he, uh, he contributed to that. And uh, when I hear his music, I'm not thinking the guy that's grooming young people or, or young kids to be used or, or violated sexually. I'm thinking this is a masterful songwriter. So the answer to, the, the answer to your question is a little com complicated because on the one hand, I can't tell people how to grieve. Because that's part of grief. It's 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 um it's revisiting. You know, uh, I, I was counseling uh, a person the other day recently, and and I was telling them how, uh, just kind of 
showing condolences they lost of a family member and I was telling them to to take the pictures that they have and kind of live with them mm. um it, it, it it's going it's going to enha- it's going to help you grieve better just kind of go through the pictures and look through the pictures until something connects and then you want to start the grieving process because you have to cry yeah and so I think for a lot of people while they while they're presenting it as them being defiant in their support of R. Kelly, I think it's more of a grieving process, or is there something that they have to get through? You know, the grieving process starts with denial, mm-hmm. you know, and then it goes to, to anger, and then they're bargaining, oh, let it not be so, and then it is it's, it's sinking into depression, and then it's acceptance, and then it cycles around in different orders. I mean, these five things in different orders, you may add a few little uh, parts to it, but that's the grieving process. And I think for R. Kelly's situation, people are really grieving who they thought he was, who he purported himself to be, who he showed to be. They're grieving his gift. What a waste of, of, of talent. And um, even for, I mean, he impacted almost every music genre with his gift while at the same time he was doing dumb stuff. Right. That's kind of hard for people. So as far as the radio stations playing, I think the radio station is, they're pandering to, um, the, the, what the people want to hear. I mean, they're in it for ad money, you know, This, so there's that. And, and I don't think we're we justified in being angry with the people who want to hear R. Kelly music. Hmm. I, I, th- I think, no, hear, hear this for a minute, Gerard. I, th- I really think it's, a, um, we have to be careful that when we become outraged, we don't take on the position of, of um, judge, jury, and executioner. Now, we can't have a vigilante-style um, uh, morality because a person gets caught up or, or a person is outed or exposed for who they actually are in the struggle. Because let's be honest, okay? Not, now, every every immorality is not illegal. Mm. It's immoral, okay? So, so um, in, 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 the, in the issue of a pedophile, that has to be some type of sickness to me. Hmm. I mean, I'm looking at this, looking at this not forensically. I'm looking at this as as a as a leader who who ministers to the souls of people, and and consider this now. While at the same time, I'm a father of six. I'm a grandfather of twelve. Um, most of my, uh, I have I have one, two, I have three sisters. I have four daughters. I have ten granddaughters. Of my twelve grandchildren, I only have two grandsons. So understand, I am a girl dad. I'm a girl granddad. Uh, I'm accustomed of having girls around me. And so when you talk about pedophiles, I take that super personally. Yeah. Okay? So I'm not in any way defending him. What I'm simply saying is we have to be careful how we see this. While while, while outrage is definitely appropriate, I think we, uh, as it relates to, and and I think um, while and the courts being involved in dealing with him, that's appropriate. Um, him being found guilty in all charges, I think it was well, uh, the case was well tried, and the verdict is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, as far as his body of work, I think it should be it should remain as a testament to, you could be gifted, and deeply deeply messed up. Matter of fact, I was going through a thing yesterday. Reading through, and f- like Chuck Berry, mm-hmm. Elvis Presley, uh, the Green Bay quarterback Bart Starr, mm. and uh, um, um, I think Sam Cooke. I'm, I'm, I don't want to put his name out there. Um, the, the, I, I read about seven or eight different guys who were pedophiles too. Wow. 
Did you ever did you ever read that story? That, um, I, I hadn't read that list. I did know about a couple of them though that uh that was certainly a thing and obviously they didn't even have a name for it back then. They but they were dealing with young women. Yeah. You know, very young. Elvis Presley had a thing for 14, for fourteen year old girls. Now, so let's talk about this. Why fourteen? A coincidence, or could it be it was at the age of fourteen when he was traumatized in some way, through rejection or through something that happened in that at that age in his life where he was in school, maybe um heartbroken, what whatever it is, because you know I think that when you look at pedophilia, which is a gross atrocity in 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 um in families in um in um in community at large in culture you you cannot divorce that sickness and and i'm not a therapist at all i'm, I'm a pastor okay my, the, my my degree is in theology but when i look at the parallel between that and midlife crisis hmm. they have something in common is that Normally, when, if you track a person's midlife crisis, you, you you track it back to the part of their life where they stop where, where they were, um, where they stop being allowed to be a child or to be a young person, and responsibility overtook them. Hmm. So I knew a preacher who um I, I was riding I was go, I went to the city, and I, I knew he was a, a, a assistant pastor in the church, and um this guy rode past me in a um a a, a, a Dodge. What is that Dodge car that looks like a? Is it like uh, a Mustang? It's not a Mustang. It's like it's like it's, it's a convertible, but it's it's a, a strange front. It's like I can't remember the name of the car, but it's one of them cars where it's like guys over fifty don't drive them cars. <laughs> Got you. Yeah. He's riding out with a toupee on his head and chest hair out, gray chest hair, and and I'm and I was like that looked like, but that can't be because he doesn't have any hair. And then when I went to church and saw, it's like that's what's on the car. Wow. When I talked to his wife, his wife was like, yeah, he's going through a midlife crisis. And I had a chance to talk to him. And, and when he, he let me know, I was really into those kind of cars when I was a young man. But then I went off to the military and all this responsibility. And then he gets older and something clicks and he wants to flip back to the time. You see how it works? There's a parallel to that. So uh, um, with the thing with R. Kelly, I really believe that R. Kelly... Um, like everyone else uh, that's involved in, in pedophilia, he got what normally, that's what happens. That, that's normally what happens to the grace of God um, comes into, so you can still be born again, you can still be saved. But then uh, as far as his music is concerned, yeah, I, I think you let the body of work stand and you always remember because Elvis Presley's music is still around. Bart Starr is still a celebrated Green Bay uh, quarterback. And, all, and, and a lot of people, there's a list out floating around and a lot of these people Gerard their work remain but they are known they were known pedophiles mm. that is so what what's so challenging about that I think for a lot of people is we have certainly entered into a space where when you find out something about someone that you don't agree with whether it's legally or morally, yeah. we have a tendency now with cancel culture to want to erase their existence from the planet Earth and mm. anything they were connected to. What's really hard as I'm learning about R. Kelly is if you're going to erase him and any derivative of his work, 
there's a whole lot of things we won't be listening to. And it's not just his music. I mean, to your point, he's worked on music from people from across all genres, you know. So from your Michael Jackson's to your Celine Dion's to your uh, Trinity Five Seven for crying out loud, like you know Marvin Sapp. Like there's a lot of a recent Marvin Sapp too. There's a lot of you know things that are out there that have his pen or his production that if you fully want to, it's um. Gosh, I hate that I'm making this comparison, but you'll get it. It's like being a vegan. If you're going to be a vegan for real, you you have to like do away with anything that derived from an animal. And right. if you don't do that kind of research, you know, you'll find yourself saying I'm a vegan, but I like, you know, regular cheese, you know, right. like, wait, <laughs> you can't do that. So go, go ahead, go ahead. We bought, we, uh, we're, we're going, going. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Can't stop with our Kelly because you're gonna start canceling people. Then we got, we need to let's, let's let's go back. Let's let's. What about James Cleveland? Wow. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, come on. No, no, no. So yeah. no, I'm not in any way trying to make this inflammatory or turn this into a. A, a, a mud slating, but what I'm saying is, you can't claim that you you are you are um, outdone by this. But then some people get a pass and some people don't because you like you happen to prefer their music or prefer their art to another person. The truth of the matter is, is that um, once you draw, once you start painting with that brush, then you 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 can't change the color now because of this. Well, you know that's different. What's different about it? You know. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stories that came out of the era of gospel. As a matter of fact, and, and for, if you're listening to this and this statement offends you, then before you before you allow it to uh, offend you to the point where you stop listening, I want you to consider this. Go check check the history of this. I remember stories about the Gospel Music Workshop of America. My last report from the Gospel Music Workshop of America, which was years ago, was a friend of mine, and, and back, you have to understand, I, I I am a gospel artist. Like mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've, I have records. I'm working on another one now, and so I've just never was wanted to be a part of that community. Yeah. Because, for example, they they booked my choir for the Gospel Music Workshop of America, and the person who was dealing with me, to, uh, my management was like, "You cannot go there." I'm like, "Why?" They said because last year, a bunch of people had dresses on that were not female. Oh. So my thing is like, what do you mean dresses? I want. I thought, what do you mean dresses? Said, no, they were they were dressed in full out. And and this was the statement. That's what it has become. It didn't become that. That's how it started. So my thing is, you see, the problem is we don't want to tell the truth about stuff, and then when the when the truth come out, we call ourselves being offended. So if we're gonna cancel R. Kelly, which is, I mean, you could cancel. He R. Kelly has been dealt with by the law. Um. And I heard other lawsuits came out after his conviction. Mm -hmm. But as far as his music is concerned, let the art stand. Unless now the art is glorifying the, the, the behavior, the, the egregious behavior that he was involved in. Mm -hmm. uh, um, let the art stand. 
and let it be every time you remember this when, when you you know um, when you say isn't this that guy yes it's that guy and it's a warning to us why is it it's a um it's it's a testament to, to profound artistry at the same time it's a testament to to a life out of control that brings demise and mm-hmm. i think i think that you know look at the bible i mean shouldn't god has have canceled david wow i mean we're going to talk about and all his body of work if that's if i mean if you want to cancel r kelly's music then cancel the whole book of psalms wow david stole a man's wife had him killed at the hand of another of an army you got it yeah and the whole thing was planned and plotted in 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 cahoots with his leadership so my thing is no if if you if you if you want to cancel r kelly's music then cancel the whole book of psalms and while you're at it, cancel the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes because Solomon wrote them and he was Bathsheba's son. How far do we want to go with this, church? More of our heart-to-heart conversation is on the way. Stay tuned. Why, yeah! Have you subscribed to Heart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you can hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God. Pastor Hart Ramsey. To receive this daily encouragement, text the word UPLIFT to the number 334-310-4278. Again, text the word UPLIFT to the number 334-310-4278. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Hart Ramsey's UPLIFT. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his book, Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey today. Available now on Amazon iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Do you love this podcast? There are several ways you can show it. You can share your love for this podcast on the socials and use the hashtag OnCourseHeartRamsey or HeartToHeart. That's H-A-R-T, the number two, H-E-A-R-T. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and now you can find us on Spotify. So if you rock with Spotify, it's an easy way to access us. Search for On Course with Heart Ramsey and subscribe. Thank you so much for your continued support and keep listening to On Course with Heart Ramsey. Stay connected with Pastor Heart Ramsey on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heart Ramsey. Let's go back into today's Heart to Heart conversation featuring Pastor Hart Ramsey. 
yeah, that that's why it gets complicated, right? That's why it gets and and I I do I do want to acknowledge this for some people. I think, and you made this point earlier, it's easier to cancel a body of work or somebody that you're not as closely connected to versus yeah. someone or some body of work that has memories for you. And that's yeah. the that's the thing about music, which we know you can always attach a memory or a time frame to yeah. music. And and to that point, it's interesting because we may connect with a song uh, because it reflects maybe a time or period in our lives that may have nothing really to do with the life of the artist. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, now yeah. I want to just go ahead and say this. I think, you know, we each have to make our decisions in terms of how we are impacted by certain people's art. I can tell you, like, I wasn't the biggest R. Kelly fan. There were some, you know, I, the the You Saved Me album I thought was amazing, that double disc that he did that was the gospel record. And he had some other things that I thought were cool. But there's a whole lot of R. Kelly material that, you know, if you put me up and paid me good money, I fail horribly trying to identify it, you know, um, you know, so I, I, I think but 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 and here's that line again. Right. But R. Kelly isn't the only one who has had some sort of egregious activity that over time we may have thought about canceling or not canceling. I will just simply say this, whatever your whatever your thought process is behind it, just be consistent, right? That's, that's be consistent. I'm not, I know there are, there are people who listen to certain artists who I personally will never listen to again, but that's my own personal decision based on my own degree of knowledge. But for me, I'm also not going on a campaign telling you cancel this one, cancel that one, don't listen to this one, don't, it's my own personal decision. And I think everybody has the right to make that own decision. I think where it becomes problematic is when you start trying to pass that on to everybody else for everybody else to start thinking and behaving like right. you, be, because, you know, there's inf you and I both know that there's information because of our positions that we're privy to that would cause us to have certain decisions that other people who aren't as closely connected would not make that decision and we're gonna leave it there <laughs> right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so 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 and that's okay right that's okay i think it just gets dangerous when people again want to kind of mandate and paint with a broad brush how dare you watch the cosby show how dare you listen to r kelly's music how dare you how dare you how dare you when everybody's initial connection to it is a little bit different Different, yeah, and some people are triggered by by um, like the Cosby situation, and they're, they're triggered by it. Sure. And I get that, sure. But for me, for me, um, you know, th this is the thing, Gerard. We we are all such multifaceted beings, not just multi talented. We're multifaceted. We're complicated. Yes. Um, David said, "I'm fearfully and wonderfully made." You know, he, what he, when you read this in the Hebrew, he was literally saying, you've made me such a complicated mass. I'm, this, this, I'm so intricate in the way you put me together that, that even in sin, I'm mm. so complicated. And I think the complic we should, 
every human you deal with, your parents were complicated. You, 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 um, you are complicated. Your children, your, 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 your relationship. You listen. If you, if you are properly married, then you have a perfect love hate relationship with a human being that you, that you will do anything for. There's a complication in it, right? And it's accepted complication. I think it's the same way. Uh, the, the Bill Cosby that people talk about, that the women sued and all that, that's not the guy I knew. I knew him for his stand-up. I knew him for, even before the Cosby show, my father used to buy his his, his records. Yeah. And he was, a, he was a brilliant black man that during my era let us know that black people could aspire to certain things. Now, was he struggling with some foolish? Did he get caught up in, in drugging? His white friends were doing it, and he was doing it with them. He got caught up in some dumb junk, but we all get caught up in dumb junk. And so my thing is, watch this now, if the body of work does not celebrate the foolishness, then the body of work is pure by itself because that is an expression of a gift that you were given. Now, how you steward your personal life is a whole nother thing. Like, for example, there are some preachers that fail hard, but I could, t I could go back and tell you some stories about how they impacted my life. And they, and they were either by counsel or, or by or by conversation or by messages that they preached, they impacted my life. And so it was unfortunate that they fell, they, they met a demise, but it doesn't change the fact that when they were on their game, they were on their game. Yes. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because my head was going there. And, you know, one of the things that, that I think this issue brings up, and I, and, I, and, I, and I should form this in a question. Because what I think it ultimately is doing is it's telling us how disinterested we really are in transformation. Mm, that's good. That's good. Be, be, because the idea here is we find out that someone has done something egregious, right? In that moment, we want to throw away everything they've ever done their work, their personality, et cetera. And they may have been doing that work in a good space, or maybe that work was the only space where they felt like I'm good. I yeah. screw up everywhere else, but I can get this right. Right. Um, so, so here's the question. Why are we so disinterested in true transformation such that when egregious information comes out about people, celebrity or not, our first thought is to distance ourselves from them instead of trying to get close to them and help them process. And why are we so disinterested in transformation? You know, that's a good question. I think that the, the, the answer that I'd like to give is that um, we're very, very uh, unaware of our own uh ability to be that very person that very thing and, and in many ways we are we judge wow. each other by the actions and we judge ourselves by our intent we judge them by what they do and we judge ourselves by what we intended to do yeah. and i and i yeah. think and i think the, the very definition of love whatsoever you would that men would do unto you how you want people to see you that's how you see them i think i think we should live our lives with our eyes on ourselves. Because, because many times we, we, the, uh, the space and, and the energy that we give to judging people harshly, uh, we have that much energy to, to, to um, focus on them because we focus on the energy on ourselves. So there's no, there's no work, there's no, there's no self-improvement happening 
So we have all this energy and all this um, um, wisdom, so to speak, to judge other people. What I try to do is I keep I I, I am keeping a constant monitor on my own development, my own spiritual development, my own or uh, as I age, as as I lead people. I'm always watching me to make sure that I'm not just telling them how to do it, but I'm doing it myself. Yeah. And I think people who who have no I use I love this analogy because it's perfect. The 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 house full a house full of windows with no mirrors. Ooh, a house full of windows. So you could always look out the window and see everybody's business. They are always talking about folk, but you have no mirrors to see who you are. So you think you're better than the people that you throw stones at, and you really aren't. You know, when I look at, I'll be honest with you. There, there's a there's a mindset. You know, people say, "What about the victims?" Okay, well, I'm gonna tell you about the victims. I really believe that it's a tragedy. For any person to, who was caught up in that pedophilia situation with R. Kelly or, or, or even the the drugging situation, the Harvey Weinstein situation, uh, uh, the, uh, what's his name that, that had the jet uh, that owned the island? Oh, oh, Jeffrey. yeah, I, I see, I see exactly Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein. So, so any person that was that fell victim to any of those uh, predilections or, or or these these madness the madness that these people went through um my heart go out to them and i pray that the lord will somehow bring them healing from it because it's to be a victim of any um person in predatory mode is it's a, it's a hard thing it's a it's, it takes years of recovery i i mean and and i'm not being insensitive to that but you know what's interesting is that on the cross uh in rome they didn't kill people for stealing, you know that, but the, but the Bible specifically said that these men on the cross were thieves. But 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 when you go back and study Rome, um, or capital punishment of Rome, stealing was not a cop, a capital crime. They will cut your hands off. They will do different things. But stealing was not a capital crime. So why are these thieves on a cross being hung? It it it's because, um, they were repeat offenders. One. Number two is they victimized people. These thieves had to have hurt people in the process of committing their crimes. And so the reason that Rome put them on a cross was so that the victims' families or the victims themselves, whether they were maimed or, or, or hurt or whatever, can stand there and get their revenge, their, their, their just uh, um, revenge, seeing the, the people who, who uh, preyed on them getting theirs. That's the reason they were on the cross. So, when, but when Jesus dealt with them, can you imagine you're standing there watching this guy who hurt you because he tried to take what was yours and you won't give it to him, and now he, he he's on a cross there, and then the Savior of the world turns to him and say, "Um, this day you will be with me in paradise." He forgives him before God and everybody. Was was he in some way dismissing or minimizing what he did to those victims? No. But even I think what has to happen to us and it's going to help us in our sanity. Is to understand that even the people who do who do the most egregious and horrible stuff, Jesus died for them too. And and somehow I'll be honest with you, you know, I was I'm gonna confess this when I heard Jeffrey Dahmer had given given his life to the Lord, I was mad. Because mm. I had a couple problems with Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm -hmm. First of all, you're killing folk, you uh, minorities predominantly, and you're eating them. What kind of sick? I was like, no, he needs to go to hell. I had made up my mind. It's like all in favor of him going to hell. I voted twice. 
If anybody goes to hell, he goes to hell. But you know, that's not the way it works. Right. It's not the way it works. And so I think that that as as believers, as people, um, when we start dealing with these issues, and they're very, very sensitive and very emotional issues, we, <laughs> it's like we've covered back-to-back in, in two back-to-back podcasts, very sensitive issues. Because I think that um, we're helping frame a mindset to be mature about the way we see these things. Uh, the, the lesson is do, do not be a predator. That's the, le- the lesson. Mm-hmm. The second lesson is keep your eyes open for predators. The, the third lesson, I think, is do, do not set yourself up as a judge. Unless you are elected to a jury, um, you come to certain decisions, and you have your, you in your own constitution, you say, this is what I think, this is what I believe, this is my position on it. But then do not go... Uh, campaigning, like you said, trying to sell your position to other people, and if they reject your position, you make them an enemy. I think I think we're in a culture now where we have to talk about these hard things so that people can learn or people can see an elevated way of processing all this because it's a lot, and it's deep, and it's it's and it's so uh, like I said, it's multifaceted. There's so much in there to be to step on people's toes. People can feel like, I don't appreciate what you said about it. But because it wasn't as simple as you try to make it, it's very complicated. So. And, and and that point right there, it is complicated. Yeah. And I think we have to be able to grow to the point to where it is. Po- you know, I remember <laughs> I remember uh, years and years ago, like you used to say years ago, another place. Right. <laughs> years ago, I remember being at a church and when they went to um introduce the pastor you know they always throw the thing about pastor of one wife blah 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 and then they talk about how uh nobody wants to eat dinner off of a dirty plate and they reference the pastor as a clean plate and it's one of those things that creates this misnomer in our in our thought process that says to be used to be effective for god to clearly speak through you accurately you must be clean and that's just that's just not how it works you know first of all sanctification is a very messy process oh yes it's as messy as the human body first of all you know i think that um and if, when i take a bath or take a shower i say i'm clean but technically you know the body is always sorting itself in some way right. so 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 i think it's the same way of uh, and and I think as pride, hmm. and it's not it's not necessarily the, the the minister or the leader's pride. It's the pride of the people saying that we would not follow him if he wasn't perfect. So 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 we have found the perfect. And and I think that's why when leaders are, are shown to not be the perfect specimen that they, that they purported to be, then what happens is people get offended because their pride got hurt. Well, you just hurt me. No, your pride got hurt because you elevated this man to um, to um, idol status. You put him up on, on this pedestal that, that most leaders do not want to be on unless you're just sick in the mind. If you want to be worshipped, you can't be God and worship God too. You need to pick You need to pick a struggle. I mean, you, the worship of God is going to bring enough attack from the enemy. And if you try to set yourself up as God, you ask, you asking for trouble. Um, I think as it relates to this, this... Like you said, misnomer about a clean vessel. Here's what God requires from us. He told Abraham, walk before me and be perfect. And that word perfect in the Hebrew, uh, even when it's translated in the Septuagint, in, uh, 
the Greek version of the Old Testament, it speaks of maturity or completely um, integral, being a, being who you are through and through. Mm. And that's what, that's what, I think that's what God loved about Abraham when Abraham feared and said, Sarah's my sister, he did it twice. Why did, how come he did it twice with Pharaoh and with Abimelech? Why? Because for all the wonderful things that God was doing in his life, Gerard, that area had not been challenged. Right. Because technically she was his sister. Mm. Because you have to understand something. People say, well, how is that possible? How did God choose him? Because there was no law for him to break. That was his, that was his father's daughter by another woman. And back in the, in Mesopotamia, you could marry your father. Matter of fact, you ever heard me talk about uh, Moses' parents? Mm -hmm. Moses' mother was his was his um his father's aunt. Figure that out. Moses' mother was his father's aunt. She married her younger nephew. Wow. Yeah, Jacobed married her, and they and so. So anyway, but but you say, well, is that legal? That's the way it was back then, and so God let God let Abraham walk through that time of needing adjustment until he got to the place where he got it right. But it, it was Sarah was his sister twice, and then then there's the whole um, Hagar affair, which which lasted a little over thirteen years until until um, God demanded that he sent Hagar and her son away. So the, no, this no, the father the who the father of faith was not quote unquote a clean vessel. He was a vessel that was working it out. Look at David and, and Solomon and all the people that, man, you look at Elijah and Elisha. El, Elisha's second miraculous act. He, he took the, he took up um, Elijah's mantle. He smoked the water, asked, where's the God of Elijah? And he walks across and he's being mocked by kids. What does he do? He calls a, a bear out the woods to eat him. Jesus. But he's the he's and and then he goes on to do twice as many miracles as Elijah. So we I don't I think we have to stop acting like we know God better than we do. God uses God uses available vessels, and God will use a, a leader for the uh, the deposit he put in that leader, and the leader chooses to be who God doesn't want him to be. Then he, God will get the benefit out of his life for, of that leader's life for the people, while the leader has to deal with God one on one about how he is and and what he chooses to be. That's a lot. That, that that is it's it's a lot and 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 while it's a lot i hope that it's also freeing to people because i think that a lot of the journey for a lot of people who are believers or who even want to be believers is this idea that we've got to get it right and yeah. we spend more time in behavior modification where we're trying to stop doing this and stop doing that and start doing this and start doing that. And we spend more of our time there thinking that that is what pleases God. And then that will make us right in the sight of men when really that's not it at all. We get that so wrong. It's like, <sighs> but, and I think people think like that because this is what we preach. You know, most of the, pre first of all, a lot of people who preach what I've learned from years and years of watching preachers and being a preacher is a lot of preachers preach out of their frustration with themselves. You know, it's, it, I mean, like, oh God, that's a whole nother <laughs> that, you know, you, you preachers like, shut up, man of God. But it's true. What happens is a lot of, a lot of preachers are trying to work out their own, um, um, 
difficulties in sanctification. And so they study a topic and they'll preach it with passion to the people because they struggle with it. Yeah. Or they're struggling in their own spiritual development. I think what the, the, the proper the proper posture should be, listen, um, it should be some self-care in our ministry and, and, and saying, listen, this is what the Lord requires of us, but we're not going to get there unless he takes us. Right. That's what that's where the whole repentance from dead works comes in. Stop trying to do stuff to, to um I mean God is not going to accept he's not going to accept me more because I preach hard against a certain sin. You know no, he's, he's I mean as a matter of fact he didn't even call me today. He called me to preach his love and his kingdom and to point out um accepted um I, I use problems in in our thinking. Um, that's what repentance comes in. And if people are are promoting a sin as a right path, and say this is sin, right. but it's not. A, but but pointing out sin is not our first call. Telling people, listen, reminding people, listen. You know, you need to be born again. That's our first call. Here's the, here's the good news of the gospel. There's so much education that preachers need as it relates to this topic we're talking about. That um, I think it it has to be fixed. Some in this generation, some in the next generation, as much as we can, here a little, there a little. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's that's so good, and that's that's probably a good space for pastors to connect with your lifeline, your pastor's lifeline, every Friday, because right. I know you deal with specific things that are designed for pastors. So right. yeah. And on the pastor's lifeline, what I try to do is to equip pastors not just to be better preachers, teachers, and to, and and uh, gifted men and women of God, but also to exercise their their um their government because they've been given the gift of government yeah. in a way where the people benefit they have the right message they have the right postures it relates to what the gospel is supposed to be and what it's supposed to do and uh, one other thing that we try to really emphasize is that they not lose themselves um you don't kill yourself trying to give eternal life to someone else wow Wow, that's good. So for pastors who want to connect with you for that, how would they do that? So what you do is you send an email to heartramseyedge at gmail.com, heartramseyedge at gmail.com, and just say, add me to the list of um, pastors on the Lifeline, and th we will kind of track your email address, send you out a link every Friday that you cannot share publicly. This link is a private link. Um, and then you, it's, by, it's so it's by invitation you come into the Zoom space and then you 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 be a part of the the entire. Uh, I think we've had up to date probably about 120, 130 pastors sign up. It's normally only to maybe between, um, I say it's normally between 50, and well I say 45 and 90 pastors will be on there at any given time because of the time of day. It's a Friday at noon Central Time, one o'clock Eastern Time, and so it's a lot of bivocational pastors are working. But, it, but what it does, it gives us a chance to really, really pour in. And then we're planning our in-person uh, lifeline in Atlanta. Uh, we're supposed to be doing it uh, in the fall. Actually, we're supposed to do it in the summer, but then COVID uh, ramped up again. We're planning in the fall, but it doesn't look like it's tapering down. So it may be the first part of next year, the first quarter of next year, we want to get together in Atlanta with all the pastors. There's so much we want to put in your hands and in your heart to get you prepared to do what God called you to do. That is absolutely awesome. So make sure, again, pastors only. I stress it. Don't fake being a pastor just to get in on this. All right. I got to say it because people are, listen, it, everybody's got to struggle, right? And that might be yours, trying to be someone that you're not. Hey, let me help you. Don't jump in on this. All right. This is just There's for pastors. Yeah. yeah. Talk about some heavy stuff in there. Yeah. 
yeah yeah so it's just for pastors so i hope you guys enjoyed this by all means share this one with a friend as well because again we hit on a lot of issues but i think we really touched on some very important things that hopefully will help you wherever you are uh in your walk whether you're a believer or not i hope it'll certainly help you so again you can find out uh what we're doing of course on the socials follow pastor hart uh at heart ramsey and uh subscribe to this podcast as well where you can check out both the audio and visual version and join us next time as we get on course with heart ramsey